This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are we overusing therapy as a society? Have we lost the balance between therapy and self-reliance? Now, I'm not saying to stop therapy. Therapy is incredibly important. But I'm talking about have we lost the balance? Have we become as a society over-reliant on therapy and not sufficiently reliant on ourselves? There's a definite balance there. I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and I'm the host of the podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So welcome to this podcast. And I'm going to talk about this today and talk about some reasons why and what we can do to recognize if we're becoming over-reliant on therapy and over-therapeutized nation and all that kind of very interesting stuff. Before we begin, I wanted to actually ask you if you have joined my detox challenge that I run every year for 63 days. So I do a 63-day detox challenge and it's amazing where you can through the app, you do the challenge and I guide you through the webinar in our app and I give you lots of feedback and interaction and pretty much we work together over 63 days on dealing with something in the right period of time. Most people do 21 days. It's not enough time to build a habit. We build habits over 63 days. So it's not too late to join. If you want to join me and thousands of other people on the challenge, you'll find the link and the details in the show notes. And let's dive into checking if we are developing sufficient self-reliance on that note. Doing this challenge is really going to teach you how to become more self-reliant so you know how much therapy, for example, you need or when you need it or need it more sporadically or when to stop it or all kinds of things along that line. So as you may or may not know, I practice as a clinical neuroscientist and communication pathologist for nearly 25 years and I've done research in this field as well. And what I'm I'm about to say may be surprising. I think the time has come that we've actually created an over-reliance on therapy and experts at the expense of self-reliance. If you've followed me or listened to me, you'll know I talk so much about self-regulation, so much about telling yourself it's okay to be a mess, but managing that mess, managing our minds, mind management is key. And to to be managing your mind, you need self-reliance. You aren't with your therapist, counselor, coach, whatever, 24-7. You're with yourself 24-7. So you wake up at two in the morning or whatever and you have a panic attack or you're really anxious about something. You can't exactly, you know, text your therapist or phone your therapist. You need to know how to deal with that yourself. So as you are becoming more self-reliant and self-regulated, you can recognize areas that need attention. You can help yourself in those two o'clock panics in the morning. You can help yourself when you're on the way to work or 
at work or with your kids. And you can also get more insight into the sort of help that you need extra help on so you can make therapy more effective. Now, that happens when there's a balance between therapy and between self-reliance. We all know being human is difficult and messy. And as I always say, it's okay to be a mess as long as we're managing that mess. And managing the mess is going to require a lot of self-reliance, a lot of self-regulation. And therapists play a supportive role. They can't fix you. No one can fix you. Only you can fix you. And that's why it's dangerous. Research shows that if you become over-reliant on therapy, you want other people to fix you. And there's always that um, that gap and that problem there when you over-rely because then you don't develop your own self-reliance. And that can be feel to lead to all kinds of problems, including a lack of empowerment and autonomy. Okay, so as long as you manage the mess and to do this foremost and foremost to do this, we need to develop self-reliance. One of the best books I've actually read on the subject is one called One Nation Under Therapy, um, How the Helping Culture is Eroding Self-Reliance. And it's by Christina Hoff Sommers and Sally Sattel. I'll put the link in details in the show notes. They do an excellent job of showing how following the protocols of genuine social science, most people, both young and old, are actually doing okay. So what they basically say in this book, and they build this beautiful argument with lots of incredibly good scientific studies supporting it, but that we have got a message that we are weak and feeble and can't cope on our own. And it's actually scary if you look what's out there, but if you look at the actual science, that's not what's actually happening. So they do an excellent job of showing how when you look at the protocols of social science, you'll see that actually people are doing okay, not as badly as what's being made out. So they in fact say that Of course, we are not suggesting that everyone is perennially happy. I've done podcasts on this. It's not good to be happy all the time. It's not good to always think everything's got to be good. So, of course, let me start that again. Of course, we are not suggesting that everyone is perennially happy or possessed of an abiding sense of well-being. Many, if not most, human beings are mildly neurotic. I love that. At times, self-defeating, anxious or sad. This is the reality. I often say we're all a little crazy and that's okay. That's what it means to be human. These traits or behaviors are characteristic of the human condition, often emerging in different life circumstances. They are not pathological, and they are certainly not new. What we oppose, this is Sally and her co-author Christina, what we oppose is the view that Americans today are emotionally underdeveloped, psychically frail, and that they require ministrations of mental health. And this is such a great summary. I totally agree with this. This is why I work so hard at helping you to be empowered to help yourself. If you have listened to my podcast for a while now, you know how interconnected the mind, brain and body are. This is why I strive to do my best for my health mentally and physically. And one of the ways I like to do this is by taking Senolytics as part of my daily mind management and health routine. It's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago and they've been called the biggest discovery of our time for promoting healthy aging and enhancing your physical prime. You see, as we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells cause symptoms of aging such as aches and pains, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle age feeling. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore but they are taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, 
Senolytics can help remove these worn-out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. This is why I use Qualia Senolytic. I take it just two days a month and feel so much more energized and ready to take on the day when I wake up. I love that the formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to be complementing one another, acting in the combined effect of all ingredients together. It also comes with a 100-day money-back guarantee. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com forward slash leaf for up to $100 off and use the code leaf at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com forward slash leaf for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. The link and details will be in the show notes. I want to read another short passage from their book that was published. That was a, It's actually a, an actual study in their book published by five Canadian psychologists. The link is in the, in the show notes where they use one of my favorite characters to demonstrate this principle. And it is one is my son's favorite character when he was growing up as well. And it's Winnie the Pooh. So I'm going to read you this little extract because it's excellent. In 2000, five Canadian psychologists published a satirical article about Winnie the Pooh entitled Pathology in the Hundred Acre Wood. At first glance, say the authors, the hero of A.A. A. Milner's 1926 children's classic appears to be a healthy, well-adjusted bear. But on closer and more expert examination, Pooh turns out to be to suffer from attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, binge eating, and borderline cognitive functioning. A bear of very little brain. To name just a few of his infirmities, Pooh's friends are similarly affected, afflicted. Rabbit fits the profile of narcissistic personality syndrome. Owl is emotionally disturbed, which renders him dyslexic. And Piglet displays classic symptoms of generalized anxiety a diagnosis that is admittedly difficult to dispute. Eeyore, the donkey, has low self-esteem and an, initi- and an inability to enjoy himself, a condition known as anhedonia, which the authors refer to as anhedonia. The Canadian spoof makes a serious point, however. The propensity of experts to pathologize and medicalize healthy children and adults en masse has gotten way out of hand. I could not agree more. The past decade has seen a cascade of books and articles promoting the idea that seemingly content and well-adjusted Americans, adults as well as children, are emotionally damaged. I've spent 38 years of my career trying to argue against this point, that we need a help. That's why I'm in this helping profession. But we need to equip people to also help themselves. It's that balance that we need to see. And if we tip too much in one direction, we will pathologize what is normal human experiences. And I write about this so much in my book and I've spoken about it so much. So here's some things that we should consider and ask ourselves regarding this issue. Personal responsibility. We need to take personal responsibility. We need to take an active role in managing our own well-being and we need to teach our children from young how to do it. This is why I wrote this book recently, How to Help Your Child Clean Up Their Mental Mess so that they can learn how to deal with what life is throwing at them, how to embrace, process and reconceptualize from young. We've even got this brainy character that I created and we have, I've made a toy as well and we've got a coloring book. So this is what I call the brainy bundle and it's on special. There's 20% on our website, drleaf.com and the link will be in the details as well. The link and details will be in the show notes as well. And this is a great way of helping to equip your child to not feel like they are incapacitated. And I say that because I'm just going to quickly go to another reference. There's an article 
children in mental health crisis surge into hospitals' ERs. That's the title. Rising cases and long waits for treatment have desperate families turning to emergency departments for help. So there's something going on. And a a massive part of this is not teaching our children the mental skills and ourselves the mental skills for how to manage our mind to manage life. And this is really key to what I'm doing, is trying to help you with these things through all these podcast books and everything. So we've got to help ourselves take active roles in managing our own well-being. And this starts teaching kids as young as two and three. My youngest patients were two and three years of age. My kids grew up with this stuff. It doesn't mean life isn't still tough and they don't have battles. They do, but at least they're equipped to know how to handle those. While therapy is such a valuable tool, don't get me wrong. As I said, I practiced for nearly 25 years. It is essential to recognize that personal accountability, self-care, and self-help strategies play a crucial role in your own mental health. When my patients came into therapy, we would have a very clear first-day discussion, whether it was an adult in therapy, an adolescent, teenager, a child, young child with a parent, I would make it very clear that this is not something I can fix. I am going to facilitate the process and equip them with skills and mental skills to be able to manage whatever it is that they're going through. And that is critical that it's not going to be this ongoing thing. And generally, I worked in cycles of 63 days, so 10 sessions. And then we would look at the end of the 10 sessions, which is the time it's going to take to rewire a, a network. We'd see at the end of 10 sessions, how is the person doing? And do we need to maybe do another 10 sessions or take a, a month's break or whatever, that kind of thing. So it was always, the objective was always to develop self-reliance. That is why my neurocycle program works around the 63 days, which is the time it takes to rewire networks, time it takes to break and rebuild a habit. A, net, a network is the thing that drives us. That's what a habit is. It's a network in our psycho-neurobiological network. The next thing that we need to consider regarding this issue is diverse approaches. Therapy is just one approach to addressing mental health. Many people can benefit from other methods like self-help books, community support, exercise, mindfulness practices. The choice of approach should be on the individual's needs and preferences. There's such a beautiful story that I have shared before, and you may or may not have heard it, about a project that was done in Zimbabwe that didn't start off as a project but became a research study done at King's University and Harvard University. And it was a village in Zimbabwe where I was born and there was this really famous granny who used to pretty much sit on this log all day long and, and one after another the people from the tribe would come to her and she was this wise elder and they would basically sit and talk to her and she would basically facilitate the process by listening and letting them talk through and letting them embrace process and reconceptualize. I didn't use those words but that's pretty much what she was doing. And it was so incredibly successful in helping the mental health of that tribe and then a lot of other tribes heard about it and people heard about it eventually researchers did and it was an incredibly effective way of mind management developing self-reliance so there was a person she wasn't a trained therapist but she was listening she was supporting she was helping them to help themselves and that was key there and the research showed it was incredibly effective there's these lovely ways of incorporating those ideas you could have grannies grandparents that are maybe in retirement homes, maybe coming to schools and helping children talk through pro- just talk through life, just having that wisdom, having someone to just talk to. They talked about this as being bench therapy. I applied this in my practice in South Africa. I did a lot of the schools and places where I worked, we did bench therapy, where we were getting in people from the community to just pretty much listen. So the idea being 
when you sat on the bench, that was when you needed to talk or you were there to listen to someone else. So it's involving communities that, that would come under diverse approaches. Then self-exploration. It's really important to be able to sit with yourself and to be able to explore and reflect and understand your emotions and spend time doing that. That's why I have the NeuroCycle app. That's why I've developed that as a tool to really help you do the self-exploration and understand your, your, your emotions and your, as, as, as not as illnesses, but as information and how they link to your behaviors and how they link to your bodily sensations and your perspectives and how that influences how you show up and how that comes from a source. And, you know, all that self-exploration can lead to so much tremendous insight and personal growth. And it will bring a lot of tears, a lot of grief and maybe increased anxiety. As I saw with all my patients, as I say in my app and my books, things get worse before they get better. We've just been analyzing another study we've been doing, writing up a, writing up a paper. And we see that there's a consistent pattern where when you start facing stuff, you get worse before you get better. Like surgery, you go and get cut up to get healed, but it's sore when you initially get cut up and then you heal. And in our current environment, when people start feeling worse, they get told that they've got a disease and it's getting worse and they need more medication or they, they're more broken than what they thought they were. That's not the truth. When you face something from the past, it will make you grieve and you've got to be, develop the self-reliance to be able to sit with that stuff. And if you constantly always having to go to someone else to be able to sit with your stuff, you're not going to heal. You're not going to progress. You go to the, the therapist and the coach and the counselor for support, but they don't fix. You do the fixing. And that's what we're concerned about, about why I'm doing this podcast, why people are raising this question, why people like Sally Sattel have written these kinds of books to help us to see, are we making ourselves more vulnerable by over-therapeutizing the nation? Over-medicalization, that relates to the point I, I made earlier on, over-reliance on therapy and experts can contribute to the over-medicalization of normal human experiences. There's so many people, Dr. Sam Tamimi, Dr. Joanna Moncrief, I've interviewed all these really expert leaders in the field on my podcast as well, Just to, and I talk about it in my books, about how we take normal responses to, what shall I say, reasonable responses to adverse circumstances and turn them into diagnoses as though you've got a brain disease, which is not even good science not even good medical practice. It's not healthy. What we need to do is have the support of the therapist, but not to label and diagnose and not to over-medicalize where people think, I'm helpless. If I have that symptom, there's something wrong with me. No, sit with it. There isn't something wrong with you. You're going through something. So it's not what's wrong with you. It's what are you going through? That question that you may have heard myself and many people say that. that also, if you over-medicalize, then there's this external locus of control thing happening that if it's over-medicalized, okay, well, I'm not the expert. I can't help myself. I've got to rely on the expert. You are your own best expert. There's a whole body of research that's coming out now showing that people who've been through big stuff are often the best people to help other people that are going through stuff. And that's logical, and you may have heard of it before, but to actually in rehab centers and that kind of thing, to have your in, pe- people that are literally experts in going through stuff to be there and work with their peers. And and it's very successful to hear stories of people. And, and AA does that as well. They are using people's stories to help each other. People are helping each other with their stories. And in fact, they sh- the research is, is showing in terms of the peers, uh, peer experts, so experts that are patient experts or experienced experts, having gone through stuff are more effective than just pure therapy. 
a pure biomedical approach, but having, and I'm not saying throw that out. I'm not saying throw out, say, biomedical model I don't like, but the, I'm not saying throw the therapy out. I'm saying throw the diagnosis and the labeling and let's rather describe and let's rather talk and shit. Let's describe, it's shared. It's not over medicalized. It's not, not label. It's have um, a, a safety, a place of safety where people can share their stories. There can be a toxic effect of counseling and therapy where people start to see themselves as having a mental illness or broken brain when they do not. That can be a toxic effect of over-therapeutizing, over-medicalizing misery. They're having a normal response. And I've got some links for this too, a great book that talks about this. And then the other factor is cost and accessibility. Not everyone has access to therapy due to financial and geographical limitations. It's a problem. Relying solely on therapy may exclude those who can't afford to live in areas with limited mental health resources. And those that there just aren't enough therapists to go around. It's not realistic. Therapists play a supportive role, a facilitative role, as opposed to the only role. You've got to learn to rely on yourself. And we've got to have our experts and, and use peer support and use our grannies, bench therapy, all of that combined. Then the client therapist fit. Therapy success often depends on the quality of the therapeutic relationship. Not all therapists are the right fit for every client. You may need to change. You also don't need to go forever. Let's work on those cycles. That's really an important factor is that if you are constantly staying in therapy over and over again for years and years, and this is no judgment on anyone, but we do, the healing cycle is these cycles of 63 days. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be fixed in 63 days. It means that a network will be changed in 63 days. It will give you more insight. So I've had some patients who've had incredible sexual trauma and been through absolutely horrific things that landed up with really severe emotional challenges, as you can imagine, as well as academic. And it took two years. It took multiple cycles. So it took, if you take 365 and divide by 63, you're going to get around about, it's more or less six. So over two years, it would be 12 cycles. And so what I'm saying is that it's not going to, you not you need to work in these cycles and you need to use those cycles as guides. So almost like every 10, nine to 10 weeks is what progress am I making? Where am I at? What's the next stage? It's to be very, use that as a sort of guide. Staying hydrated is so important for our brain and body health, but remembering to drink enough water during the day can be a challenge. Indeed, I'm always looking for ways to make drinking more water easier so I don't even have to think about it. I also want to make sure the water I am drinking is truly good for my brain and body. According to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in its tap water. That's why you've got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS in your water supply. PFASs are found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water and I'm grateful that AquaTrue is certified to remove these contaminants and they have water purifiers to fit every type of home from insulation-free countertop purifiers to high-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi connected purifier and mineral boost options. Best of all, the water tastes fantastic and you don't have to worry about PFASs or any other harmful contaminant. It's even portable, making it perfect for renters or college dorms. In addition to drinking water, you can use it for your coffee, tea and all your cooking needs from boiling pasta to veggies to making stocks and soups. I was always hesitant about drinking tap water, but I don't worry about that anymore 
I know my tap water is not just filtered with AquaTrue, it's purified. Even my two dogs can tell the difference, they only drink AquaTrue water. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter the code Dr. Leaf at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stigmatization, there's also over-reliance on therapy and experts may contribute to the stigmatization of normal human struggles and emotions. If someone's got to go to therapy to survive, it makes them an other, makes them different, it makes them the crazy one. And that's stigmatization. We all can benefit from a little bit of therapeutic help and a talk and a little bit of input here and then, maybe some more than others, depending on what our life circumstances are. So you may need a two-year bout of supportive therapy while also maybe doing, the, not maybe, also doing self-reliant techniques like the neurocycle, which teaches you to be self-regulated. But it can be stigmatized. So we need to make it normal. We need to make going to therapy normal, but we need to go, we need to make the developing self-reliance normal, even more normal. We need to have a balance. And when we have that balance and that acceptance, that level of balance and acceptance, that's when we're going to have a healthier society. There's also the cultural shift away from community to individualization. This shift, there's so many great books on this and so many great talks. This shift has impacted one of our most basic needs as humans, having community. We need each other. Just think of, you always had the full, having a child, you'd have the grandparents around, you'd have community. It takes a village concept. That's disappeared. We need to make our communities. I've done a podcast on this as well, specifically talking about that. So just very quickly to end this off, how do you know when you're overdoing therapy? Just a couple of tips. As I mentioned, when I practiced, I worked in nine-week cycles. So that's the time it takes to change a network. So if you can go in with, sometimes objectives aren't really clear. It takes, can take a few days for you to understand where to even start the process, but then to try and find the thing that you're working on and work through that and then to see what other areas that brings up and then do another nine-week cycle. So in other words, create these measurement points as far as possible. And I've shown with the neurocycle that you can do that. We want to be empowered to face barriers and challenges. We want to gain an increased autonomy by taking control of our mental health. We want to become more aware of both our issues and our capacity to deal with toxic thoughts. This is directly from one of my papers, by the way, and control toxic stress. When we change our perspective, we see opportunities instead of barriers. This process leads us to become more empowered so we can control our lives by controlling our mind. In other words, we want to be empowered. My objective with my patients was to empower them to be able to face 
barriers and challenge, uh, barriers and challenges and see them as opportunities. To be able to recognize that toxic stress and manage it. To be able to recognize those toxic thoughts as their new best friends and manage those. To be able to recognize when something is from a trauma, when something's just from a bad habit and to work through those. To recognize when when they need to build new good habits. So that empowerment is so important. If you're not getting that, then you need to maybe change therapists, maybe step back for a while and see if you're maybe not developing too much reliance on an external person. If you feel like you're going round and round in circles and you're not getting anywhere, that's an indication that therapy is maybe potentially something you need to change therapist or stop for a while. If you are needing your therapist to fix you, you definitely are being in an over-therapeutized situation. No one can fix you, only you. A person can only facilitate and support your healing. If you are heavily reliant on your therapist to make decisions for you, that's another indication that you need to question that the effectiveness of that therapy, if you're being over-therapeutized. If your therapist is undermining your self-sufficiency and self-regulation and making you over-dependent on them, that a good therapist won't do that, but it can happen. If therapy has been making you feel worse for a long time and you don't feel like you're healing, so feeling worse will come in cycles. So knowing that in 63 days, the first 21 days of starting on something, you will get worse before you get better. And then there's certain, within that 63 days, there's ups and downs that you can experience. So I've just done a study where we've been looking in detail at in a 63-day cycle, the ups and downs. And I'm going to be writing papers and books and podcasts on literally what you can expect in those cycles to guide you. In the meantime, if you work through the NeuroCycle app, you can start getting a feel. I do talk about this as well in the app. And we just added more research to be more, to refine this process. But knowing that in the app, it can guide you in the therapy situation as to where you should be. And it's just having more knowledge. It's more of a, it's a framework to help you. If you've been in therapy for a while and you've accomplished most of your goals, maybe it's time for you to move on and become more self-reliant. Maybe see them less. Maybe see them once every three months, something like that. And if you and your therapist have both sensed that it's time to to come to, therapy should come to an end, and you've talked about ending therapy, then follow that gut instinct. You can always go back. And if you're no longer avoiding difficult feelings, if you're sitting with your stuff, if you're able to sit with yourself and be with yourself without having to go to a coping mechanism, like alcohol or something, if you can sit with yourself, sit with your thoughts, allow yourself to feel the anger, the anxiety, embrace it, to process it, to reconceptualize. If you can sit with yourself, and you can also move forward, process, and reconceptualize. If you're in that state, then you could be ready for stopping therapy. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, therapy and experts are such a valuable resource. It's essential to strike a balance. I'm just summarizing. And this is exactly what I've tried to help you do. And I hope in this podcast, it'll, this has guided you. And using the NeuroCycle, I know that will help you. When we know how to manage our minds, we will have more insight. This is key. I'm going to read it. Just don't stumble over saying it. When we know how to manage our minds, we will have more insight into when and what supportive help we need. That's so key. When we know how to manage our minds, we will have more insight and know what extra support we need. We will also have more empathy for others because it's not just about helping ourselves, it's about our healing also comes from helping others. There's so much research around as you help others, you actually end up helping yourself. And also it's good to have that community, that close friends, family, because that comfort and that support and reassurance is great to have from our loved ones, not just an external therapist, but to also have from those that know us well. So if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd like, subscribe and share the episode to help other people who may be questioning whether they 
should go to therapy or shouldn't go to therapy or if they not if they have, don't have a good balance between the two, if they're being over-therapeutized, if they've been seeing themselves as feeble and weak or broken, that there's good news. You don't have to see yourself like that. I'd love it if you'd give me a five-star rating and I'd love it if you join me again next week as I tell you more about, and I learn at the same time as I'm telling you about how to manage your mind. Thanks. Bye-bye. See you next week. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline E. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.